the snap. Raiders bring four. Crosby off the edge. Gets on his back and brings him down back at the 18-yard line. He's been getting around the right tackle, Andrew Wiley, all game, and finally picks up a sack. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Week 18, Mad Max Crosby jumping on Patrick Mahomes to get a sack there. 12 and a half sacks is what Max had in 2022. Somebody's got to step up and compliment him, whether it's Chandler Jones, Tyree Wilson, someone from the interior like a Byron Young, whoever the case may be, if they got some pressure coming off the edge as far as uh, like the corners, a corner blitz, uh, linebacker blitz, whatever the case may be, there's got to be more. There's got to be a party at the quarterback more often. Uh, Max Crosby's always going to be there for the party, but someone else has got to show up as well. Uh, Max is doing his thing, but, of course, the defense is, is something that needs to – Uh, evolve in a major way for the team to have a chance in 2023. The question that we threw out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R, and also the listener line at 702-365-9200. What is it you have more confidence in and why? The Raiders' young defense coming together and complimenting the rest of the team or Jimmy G being available for 17 games? And before we wrapped up hour number one, we had Raiders 66 call in, and he brought, it, he brought the math to the show. And I love it, first of all, and I wish I had more time to expand on it when he called in. Really, that was my fault. We should have got to his call a little quicker, so I apologize for that. But um, as my mom is a huge Giants fan, I remember that run of every, you know, every odd year they were winning or every even year, whatever the case was, they were winning the World Series. It was incredible. It's like, damn, they did it again. Damn, they did it again. And I love the fact it was every even year. Yeah, and I love the fact that, that you know, he brought up Jimmy G in, in odd years. And, look, I don't know if that, if that math and that science project is going to work out to be true, but what if it is? <laughs> it is 2023, right? So I'll, I'll, t- I'll, take, I'll take it for what it's worth right now, Ari, because, I mean, right now it's, it's, it's July 3rd. So you, we, we have no way of disputing it as of yet. We know that he's not available right now, but he also has 23 days to become available. So right now in theory, Ari, I like the idea. I like it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not mad at it. I'm not. I mean, and, and if, if that's something to maybe kind of take a look at and, and peek at and say maybe this could be something, if it worked for the Giants, why can't it work for Jimmy G? Because I know someone thinking right now like, okay, Q, sure. Sure, it's going to matter that it's an odd year. I know it sounds silly. It sounds dumb. But what do they say? If it works, it's not weird if it works, right? I mean, this whole thing sounds silly if you think about it. This is an NFL quarterback and they're calling him Mr. Glass. I mean, like, so it's not really that silly to think about this math equation when you think about the reality of the situation with this, the guy is often injured, like to the point where it's a whole narrative of what we're talking about. It's the whole season's on the line because of that. Right. It's, it's a big deal. So, I mean, it's not the craziest theory. I kind of. I kind of dig it. I no, like I do stuff too. Like that. I do too. And, and Mike Pritchard was on the morning tailgate this morning, and he was talking about Jimmy G being healthy and staying healthy. And he just basically said, "Hey, you got to keep the guy in the pocket. You can't let him get outside the pocket and, and get squirrely because then bad things happen." But he has a feeling that you know this this Raiders team could be good again if. Jimmy G is healthy. So, again, I throw the question out there. What is it you have more confidence in and why the Raiders' young defense coming together and complimenting the offense or Jimmy G being available for 17 games? Now, I said I wanted to hear from Mike Pritchard as well on another part of the conversation he had with the tailgate. And, again, I encourage you to listen. Every Monday he's on at 8 o'clock. And, I mean, there's nothing better than tuning in to hear a former – a uh, former NFL wide receiver uh, that's got a lot of uh, wherewithal and understanding of the game to break it down like he does each and every Monday morning with the morning tailgate. So 
as I was locked in on this conversation earlier today, I heard Clay ask him about the situation going on in Buffalo with Stephon Diggs and him starting to cause a little bit of a uproar. And, you know, he did this in Minnesota. That's how he got out of Minnesota. And so uh, just kind of wondering how that can affect the beginning of the season. The Raiders are on the road for the first two games, Denver and then Buffalo, both home openers. So it looks like on paper a very tough game. But is there a chance – that with the Raiders' continuity, the way that the Raiders know what their team is, Josh McDaniels has his guys, Patrick Graham now has his guys, and, of course, a Jimmy G that knows Josh McDaniels' offense, could the Raiders actually be in a better position heading into the beginning of the season as opposed to the teams in Denver and Buffalo? Here's Mike Pritchard talking about that situation and those two teams in particular. I think what's going on in Buffalo is indicative of more of the same. You know, you know, Stephon Diggs wanting to be more involved in in the offense or play calling or certainly uh, getting more opportunities in the playoffs and and being mad at Josh Allen or being mad at Dorsey, the play caller. I mean, that's not going to help Buffalo get off to a fast start. But also, I think Buffalo uh, is more of the same. Right, uh, they added Dalton Kincaid, uh, a pass-catching tight end. So obviously, they still want to throw the rock, uh, and they still lack a physical presence. I, I think uh, a, a full-strength Las Vegas Raiders football team with back-to-back road games uh, and the right mental mindset uh, can can get off to a fast start. I, I think continuity is on the side of the Raiders offensively. Uh, that's provided Josh Jacobs is involved in that. Hello. Uh, and happy, right? <laughs> uh, and then um, I, I think defensively the Raiders could be improved. And, and so the Raiders, to me, seems like a team that's upgraded talent, um, can evolve as, as a team as well. Whereas you, you think about the Broncos, you know, Sean Payton's going to have to change the entire culture. He's going to have to change everything, even though the Broncos wanted the Raiders uh, for that home opener. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with Buffalo, home opener, right? But more of the same. Uh, and so there's a couple of teams to start the season, whereas the Raiders, if they can answer their questions during the off offseason, uh, I, I think the Broncos and the Bills will have questions entering the regular season. Mike Pritchard, former NFL wide receiver, uh, former first-round draft pick, matter of fact, in the NFL wide receiver, big-time player, uh, part of VEASAN right now, and uh, used to be here on Raider Nation Radio 920, but you can hear him every single Monday on the morning tailgate at 8 o'clock with Clay Baker, Lindsey Brown, and Vinny Bonsignor. Vinny's on vacation this week, but he will be back next week. So uh, with what Mike Pritchard had to say there, what do you think, Raider Nation? Because it uh, intrigued me and caught my attention. I've been talking about how tough the first four games of the season is going to be the first four Four games is the first quarter of the regular season. I've been saying how tough it's going to be because, again, three out of four are on the road. But what he pointed out about the first two games, Denver, the Raiders won, first of all, have owned Denver for the longest. I mean, they've just absolutely owned them. I'm not saying they're going to own them forever, but they own them right now, right? I mean, Denver fans are angry, right? Sean Payton wanted the Raiders for a reason week one because he wants to, you know, get out the gate swinging and and, and knock the, the Raiders off as they've been just destroying and owning the Broncos as of late. So, you know, if they're in a position where they're trying to come together, he's trying to install a new offense, a new culture there in Denver, how ready are they going to be for week one, right? Are they going to be ready to come out the gate swinging? And then Buffalo, who knows what that situation with Stephon Diggs. I think the one saving grace for the Buffalo Bills is that this issue with Stephon happened for mandatory minicamp and didn't happen during the middle of training camp. So I think that they have time to grow and they have time to come together and put their differences aside. But maybe they don't. Because, again, Stephon Diggs has done this before. He's been that guy. And they're not a very physical team, as Pritchard pointed out. They don't run the ball very well. Their best running back is Josh Frickin' Allen. That's a problem. 
when your best running back is your quarterback, who, oh, by the way, uh, almost led the league in interceptions last year. What do you have, 14? Is he tied? Or no, did he lead the league? I can't remember, but I know I know, um, I know, know that Dak, no, Dak led the league in, in interceptions last year, but Josh Allen was right there. I know Derek Carr had 14 as well, so that wasn't good, but I believe that Allen was right there around 14. He had 17 turnovers total because he had fumbles as well. That's just not going to get it done. Right, and so when you're putting them in harm's way by having them run all the time, that's setting them up for failure. So you know maybe this situation in Buffalo isn't as rosy as it might look, and maybe this game is not quite as I don't want to say tough because it's going to be tough. Every NFL game is tough, but maybe they're not quite a well-oiled machine by the time Week Two comes, and maybe the Raiders, with their continuity, with the you know Joshua Daniels being in year two with the Raiders, Devontae Adams in year two, Josh Jacobs if he's there, and I'm assuming he's going to be there if he's there then that continuity, you know, and obviously there's new p- players on that side of the ball as well, but a lot of them have familiarity with Josh McDaniels, like a Jacoby Myers, right? Now now a guy like Michael Mayer, that'll be different because he's a rookie, but for the most part, I mean, Hunter Renfro, even Hunter Renfro in year two, I'm excited to see what he looks like just because we know we didn't get a real good sample size of him. So what do you think about what Pritch had to say? Do you agree with Pritch that the Raiders could start off hot because of their continuity or no? Do you think it doesn't matter? about the continuity. I've personally, like I said, I hadn't really thought about that until I heard him say that. And that's why I tune in to listen to, you know, certain guests because I know that they provide a lot of knowledge and Pritch always provides knowledge, especially from a player's point of view, right? I mean, I can only imagine Pritch in a training camp with his team thinking, hey, guys, we didn't have a very good year, year one, but we all know what the hell we're supposed to be doing now. You know, and Max Crosby's talked about it. You know, when we did the Raider Roundtable with JT, Eric Allen, and myself, you know, he said, how much different is it going into Pat Graham's system year two? He's like, oh, man, it's night and day. Like, I can run to, you know, uh, spot to spot in, in practice because I know what I'm doing. And, and we all know what kind of year Crosby had in year one, 12 and a half sacks. That's fantastic. So that continuity could go a long way. So I ask you, and I throw it out there, again, 702-365-9200 in the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Do you agree with Pritch that the Raiders could start hot? because of continuity. And, of course, I had the other question I threw out there as well. What is it that you have more confidence in and why? The Raiders' young defense coming together and complimenting the offense or Jimmy G being available for all 17 games? Got a text here from Sir Whiskey Ray. He said, Q, happy pre-4th of July. Let's keep it real on today's topic. I'm just a tad more confident that our offense is ahead of our defense. The big question, though, is Jimmy G. Will he be healthy all season? I'm not going to stress until I don't see him on the field. I'll just keep it as that for now. On another note, I want to give a special shout-out to my stepson's baseball team. I'm coaching his all-star team, and we made tomorrow's big championship game as we're hosting the tournament. We pulled off three straight unbelievable wins, and the team we are playing tomorrow, they've been beating us up this summer in other tournaments. Sending good vibes. Thanks, Q, as always. Have a great fourth with your family. That's from our guy, Sir Whiskey Ray. That's awesome. Man, congratulations to uh, your son, and hopefully the, their team that you're coaching up uh, wins the whole damn thing, right? Why not go there and win the whole thing? You're, you're already there. You might as well go on and finish the deal. Seal the deal. Just go on and win it, man. That's awesome. I, I think that that's, that's really cool. Um, man, and that's got to be exciting. Fourth of July action, like I said, uh, the, I, it's not the Fourth of July until the hot dog eating contest happens. But in your case, man, as soon as that, as soon as that first pitch is thrown out, then it's on. It's on and popping. So I'll tell you what, man. When I played baseball back in the day uh, in Little League, it was so much fun to have that, 
that game day vibe, that game day feeling. There's something about putting on that uniform, going out there in the in the sun and, and, and getting some dirt on your pants and on your jersey. I mean, there's nothing better than it. I promise you, so much fun. So to be able to uh, experience that with family and being able to coach up, you know, the, uh, the team and everything, the all-star team, that's awesome. So make sure you have a lot of fun with that. Again, that's Sir Whiskey Ray. And as far as uh, what he said about the topic, he said he's more confident that the offense is ahead of the defense. Now, that's not necessarily addressing if Jimmy G is going to be healthy, if you're more confident in him being healthy or available for 17 games as opposed to the defense. But I understand what you're saying. And the offense, in my opinion, there's no doubt about it that they're ahead of the defense, right? I mean, the defense, that, that's what I'm saying. They, they've got to try to gel and come together. That's going to be the difficult part, you know, just because it's not that easy, especially in training camp. It's not like it used to be. It's not two-a-days. It's not pads popping every day. It's not all that stuff. It's, you know, it's a lot of walkthroughs. It's a lot of install and going, you know, half speed. So it's hard to tell exactly how good they are. Hell, even in preseason games, we saw them last year, right? We saw the Raiders go 4-0 in the preseason. You know, no turnovers, very little penalties. We saw all that last year, and it turned into six wins, right? It's just that difficult to win a game in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, we'll see, how it, we'll see how it looks. We'll see, you know, how it comes together. And if Jimmy G, in an odd year, Raider 66, shout out to Raider 66, in an odd year, maybe he's able to go and be available for the season or the majority of the season. Only time will tell. Let's go back out to the phone lines at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our good friend Bernard. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Q, welcome back. Appreciate you, brother. From your vacation. Hey, um, I, I think the defense has got a chance of starting off uh, real good. You know, um, the reason I say that, I was looking at some of the, the games from, from last year, you know, it's kind of a dead period, right, for sports. You know, basketball is over really just mm-hmm. baseball going on. And they, they made so so many uh, uh, mental mistakes on uh, defense. And like you uh, said earlier, uh, Trayvon um, seemed like he's going to be – he said he feels more comfortable. You know, he has three uh, different defensive coordinators since he's been in the league and then even going back to college. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at the games. It, it was just – and you've probably seen it too. It was so many plays where, like, nobody would be around, like, the receiver – when they would catch the ball, we all we've been talking about the middle of the field for for yep. so long, and, and they had a bunch of missed tackles, and we've seen guys like running off the field like at the last minute, you know, the play caught, and then guys were just like out of position a lot. So if they can clean that up, um, I think the defense got a chance to 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 get off uh, to a hot start. And another thing that we would notice, uh, just take the Forty ers game for for instance, like they have really good defense. You hardly ever see when they're playing defense, or offensive player where nobody is, is around the ball. And I just think we've seen that too much too much with the Raiders. And then they never get the ball when it's bouncing on the ground or just floating floating in the air. You know, they lost the 49ers game like that. You know, um, our quarterback arm gets hit, the ball is just floating in the air. They come up with the interception. We lose the game. I think a possession before that, the Raiders did the same thing, and the guy catches the ball. So right. it's just like they got to get more people around the ball and as great as Max is, I think he needs to get a little bit more more strip fumbles. He's doing everything else. Tackles yep. for loss. Mm-hmm. He's just not getting no strip sacks. And we know Chandler Jones, you know, that's his specialty. So hopefully he can, he can get that. So I think the defense got a chance to stop making the mental mistakes. And, mental mistakes, and I think we'll see a, a great improvement. And they got a chance to get off to a high start because it seems like they got a lot of, you know, a lot more athletes and guys are committed to, you know, uh, getting better. 
No doubt. Hey, great call, Bernard. Great call. Thanks so much for that. I appreciate you. And, yeah, man, that's one of the most frustrating things that I think about the Raiders' defense. And I talked about it even when myself and Vinny saw it at a mandatory minicamp. And that is those balls, like you're mentioning, man, when the quarterback's arm gets hit and that ball just floats, and for some reason it floats away from every Raider defender. Right? The ball is up there floating, and, and it seems like it's hanging there forever. I feel like I can go get the ball. And somehow it just falls harmlessly to the turf. Right? And, then it ha- and then another team gets it, and it lands right in their hands. And that's what I keep saying about good teams. And you, you brought up the 49er game, and that's how the Raiders lost that, that 49er game. Jarrett Stidham, uh, got, you know, the, 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 he got his arm hit, and the ball floated to the, the uh, 49ers defender. He picks it off, and, well, game, set, match. You know how that ended. So the good teams – they find a way to come up with that ball that's just sitting there floating in the air. They come up with that tip ball. They come up with, you know, those plays like that. And, and when I saw that happen at mandatory minicamp where that ball glanced right off the fingertips of a wide receiver and it bounced up and then it just fell harmlessly to the ground, I immediately looked at Vinny and was like, that has to be taken in the air. That's got to be picked off and returned, if not to the house, at least returned. Right? I mean, you've got to be able to make that play. That's the difference between teams that win consistently and teams that don't win consistently. The teams that come up with those plays are the ones that are going to win more times than not because they're stealing a possession for their, their, their team. And it's funny, Sir Whiskey Ray brought up baseball. I say this all the time, and I believe it till I go to my grave. In baseball, if you allow a team an extra out, it always comes back to burn you. If something happens, if – there's a, a, a strikeout, and then the ball just happens to get away from the catcher, and the guy gets on first base. There's an extra out. And what happens? Someone always knocks that runner in. It happens all the time. I, it's so funny. We were doing, uh, we were doing a, a, a state championship baseball game. We were, we were uh, broadcasting it when I was in Central Texas, and this team from Clifton, Texas, was about to win the state championship. They were one out away, Ari. They had a simple ground ball hit to the third baseman. He muffs it. And it was a simple ground ball. He muffed it, picked it up late, threw it to first, and, and the guy was in, in, in time. So it was, he, he wasn't out. He was safe at first. And I said immediately, I looked over at my partner and said, that's a kiss of death right there. You cannot allow a team to have another out. And I know this is just you know high school baseball, whatever, I get it. But the very next pitch, bink, right? It drove him in, game over. Lost the state championship game. Like, it always happens like that. If you're watching baseball, and there's a lot, like Bernard said, there's a lot of baseball on right now. That's really all that's on. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. I love baseball. If you look and watch baseball, if any team makes that fatal mistake and allows a team to have an extra out, an extra at bat, they get burned 99% of the time. I'm telling you, pop-ups that go foul and just happen to drop in, normally the guy ends up getting on base. It's It's just what it is when it comes to probably the hardest sport there is. And, that, and that's baseball. That's a game of failure. I mean, think about it. You fail more than you succeed, and you're an all-star. <laughs> think about this. Think about if we already came in here for two weeks straight and did a show, and only three out of ten shows were good. We'd, we'd be all-stars in baseball, right? We'd be hitting 300. Four, you know? out, of, four out of ten, even. Well, four be, out of ten, right. We'd be killing it. We'd be killing it. We'd be Hall of Famers, and right? We wouldn't be, though. But in, in, in <laughs> radio, suck. if I came in, I did four good shows out of ten, I'd be fired. Right, yeah, basically. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the, that's the reality of it. I don't want to be on this with you. No, exactly. Like, hey, man, this dude sucks. <laughs> I mean, that's the reality of it. But that's the, the ultimate sport of losing. Like, you lose more times than you win, and you fail more times than you win, but – when you make, have the opportunity to make a play, you have to make a play. And so as it translates to football, it's the same thing. When you have an opportunity to make a play, you have to make that play, right? I can go back to Trayvon Merrick, his, uh, his rookie year, 
I could go to last year. Uh, I, there's, there's so many different plays that Trayvon himself has had opportunities to make that he wasn't able to come up with. There's plenty of guys. Others, not just Trayvon. I'm not trying to just single out him, but those plays, you know, the Washington game, he could have sealed the deal on a victory. Could have won that game at Allegiant Stadium. He puts the ball on the turf, right? That, that playoff game against Cincinnati, was he picks off the ball in the end zone, but he's out of bounds. Right? I mean, there's just, just little little inches. It's a game of inches. You know when they say the toe-tag drag or the toe-tap drag, whatever like that, toe-tap swag, whatever the case is, Nate Burleson does, says it right. That's, it's, it's just that small, man. The, the margin of error is so small in the NFL, something that Ed Grady po- pointed out earlier in the show as well. So, Raider Nation, we want to hear from you. Thank you, Bernard, for that call. I appreciate you. 702-365-9200. Also, the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword r Two questions I have out there for you. One, do you agree with what Pritchard had to say about the Raiders, that they can start off hot to start the 2023 season because of the continuity that they have, everyone coming back for year two, and Jimmy G knowing Josh McDaniel's offense, and also, what is it that you have more confidence in and why? The Raiders' young defense coming together and complementing the offense or Jimmy G being available for all 17 games? This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Hand off into the belly of Jacobs. Bounces off a defender at the two and in the end zone. Touchdown Raiders. Jacobs does it again. His second rushing touchdown of the game. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Josh Jacobs, that was uh, touchdown number two against the Houston Texans uh, in the 2022 season. Again, we'll talk all things Josh Jacobs coming up in a matter of minutes with Andrew Erickson, fantasypros.com. But right now we threw the question out there. We'd love to hear from you, Raider Nation, at 702-365-9200. Also, the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r What is it you have more confidence in and why? The Raiders' young defense coming together and complementing the offense or Jimmy G being available for 17 games. Plus, throughout the question, do you agree with Pritch that the Raiders could start hot because they have the continuity that they have in year two under Josh McDaniels? Let's go out to the phone lines real quick, talk to our good friend, Gangster Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? What's up, Q? I agree with Pritch. You know what I'm saying? Because I said that a couple of weeks ago on JT's show. You know what I'm saying? I think we could start off hot because of the continuity as if Jimmy G is healthy, you know what I'm saying? Because um, I'm kind of um, leaning toward the uh, other guys, leaning toward towards the defense because Jimmy G is not available right now, and and I would like ideally for him to be getting in sync with the receivers. You know what I'm saying? Like Thorne, getting familiar with Devontae and all the other wide core. I mean, wide receiver core, and so that's why I'm leaning toward the defense being more. Um, ready than the offense at the start of the season. And plus, also, I think the coordinator, he has the players to up, up to implement the scheme that he wants to do this year. Last year, I don't think he had the players, but I think he has more of the players to implement the scheme that he wants to do on defense. So that's why I'm going with the defense. But I also agree with Pritch because we start off in Denver, and everybody thinks Denver is going to be so great because of the head coach. But the head mm-hmm. coach don't touch the field. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And they and they asked for the Raiders first game. You know what I'm saying? So we can go in there in Denver and continue our streak, making seven games in a row. You know what I'm saying? Then you never know. We might be able to um upset um Buffalo in their home opener and start off two and zero. You know what I'm saying? Right. Then after that, I forget who the next two games are after that. But Pittsburgh at home. Pittsburgh at home at Allegiant Stadium, and then the Chargers on the road, which is a home game too. 
Yeah, well, I think we could. You know, if if Jimmy G is healthy, you know, that's that's we should easily beat Pittsburgh, and you know, that's a rivalry game to Chargers. So, mm-hmm. and we owe them. We owe them for the last game, the game last year out here in L.A. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, worst case scenario, I think we could start off two and two or three and one. You know what I mean? So yeah. I agree with Pritch, and I'm leaning towards the defense more than offense, only because Jimmy G is not available. He needs to be acclimating himself with the wide receivers right now. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I agree. Hey, good stuff, Gangster Raider. It's always good to hear from you. Hope you have a good 4th of July, my man, you and your family. And I'll say this, man, like, that's not far-fetched. You know what I mean? Like he said, 2-2, two and two, that's definitely a possibility. But just what if? And I'm not trying to, you know, play the ifs and buts and all that good stuff, and I'm not trying to pump, you know, sunshine and rainbows and puppy dogs. That's not my get-down. But, I mean, honestly, like Gangster Raider said, and I've said it too, the Raiders own the Broncos. They've owned them. Not saying that they're going to own them forever. I do think Sean Payton's going to make them better, but week one? Week one's going to be a little difficult, even if it is in Denver. That's fine. Buffalo, they've got a little bit of adversity. You know, they were hyped up to be the team to beat last year, right? And I thought that they were just all right. I didn't think they were all that. I mean, seriously. And I know that they had some issues that they had to deal with, the whole DeMar Hamlin situation and other situations, having to deal with the snow and travel to Detroit and have to play there back-to-back week. Like, I get it. They dealt with adversity. But you know what? The Raiders ain't going to feel sorry for you when you have to deal with adversity because if there's a team that's dealt with adversity, it's silver and black. <laughs> as, as late as 2021, you know, you want to talk about adversity, I don't want to hear about too much adversity, right? Like, I'm not trying to be cold-blooded or nothing, but, man, they dealt with some damn adversity. So, you know, teams have to deal with that from time to time. So I don't want to make that excuse for Buffalo. They were the team to beat. Everyone said Josh Allen's going to be the league MVP. They're going to win the Super Bowl this year. This, that, and the other. I got a buddy uh, named Bruce. I call him Bruce Bruce because, obviously, his name is Bruce. Anyway, he's a big Buffalo Bills fan. He texted me when the season started. Q, it's our year. It's our year. Buffalo this, Buffalo that. I said, all right, let me see it. I ain't heard from Bruce since. I ain't heard from him yet. I can text him right now and be like, Bruce, what you doing? Nothing. Crickets, man. Crickets. Because, again, they didn't really, you know, live up to the hype. So if the Raiders were to get off to a hot start, and look, they've gotten off to hot starts years years in the past, and they just haven't finished strong. But if they were to able to get off to a hot start, go 2-2, two and two, even 3-1 and one, like Gangster Raiders said, who who doesn't say that that allows the defense time to, to catch up and, and, and be really good? But, again, it goes back to what he said about Jimmy G. He's got to be healthy. I don't think you get off to a hot start, go two and two, three and one with Brian Hoyer. No disrespect, but I just kind of think that's what it is. I know damn well you don't get off to a three and one start with Aiden O'Connell. He's just not ready. He's a young, he's a young cat, right? So it's, it, it goes back to Jimmy G needing to be healthy and needing to be available. They've got a lot of pieces that fit Jimmy G and what he does well. Strong run game. Raiders have it. Now, again, the defense isn't a strong defense yet. Uh, they've obviously got to build up to that. But plenty of weapons on the offensive side of things. I've said it before weeks ago that Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver he's ever played with. Straight up. Best wide receiver he's ever played with. Debo Samuel's good. Debo Samuel's real good. But I think he's more of a kind of a running back slash wide receiver slash kind of do-all player. Like, love to have him on, 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 the, on the team. But just all in all, just wide receiver, Devontae Adams is the best one. And it's not even close as far as I'm concerned. So – I think that that could go a long way. Knowing Josh McDaniel's system, I think that can go a long way. But, again, going back to what Gangster Raider said, he brought up a lot of good points in his call. He needs to be getting familiar with these wide receivers ASAP. He needs to be getting out there and getting comfortable with these wide receivers ASAP. He's got to get comfortable with the offensive line ASAP. So when practice starts on the 26th, he really 
really needs to be out there to give the Raiders a chance. So you can hit us up at any point, 69187, keyword R&R. It's the text line. And, of course, the phone lines when we don't have a guest is 702-365-9200. What is it you have more confidence in and why? The Raiders' young defense coming together and complementing the offense or Jimmy G being available for 17 games? And then also, do you agree with Pritch that the Raiders could start off hot because of the continuity? And if you did not hear him say that, you'll hear that after – we talked to our guy Andrew Erickson for FantasyPros.com, who joins us on the phone lines now. And, uh, Andrew, thanks so much for your time. I definitely appreciate you. And I saw a tweet that you put out earlier today that really caught my interest about Josh Jacobs having 393 touches in 2022. And that that's great for him. That's great for the year. But it's probably not good for the you know years to come. So what's the likelihood, in your opinion, of Josh Jacobs doing that and getting that kind of touches again in year two? Probably not, um, if I'm being totally honest, especially when it comes to a guy like Josh Jacobs where we don't really have a big sample size of him, you know, touching the ball almost 400 times in one year. You know, he was really more around a 250, maybe getting to close to 300 in his first couple of years in the league under different coaching staff. So, I mean, it definitely stands up like an outlier. Like, you just look at Josh Jacobs' career, you know, he was a pretty productive running back for the first couple of years, especially in terms of fantasy football, like kind of hitting that – low-end RB1, top 12 type of running back. But this past year, it was everything. The planets aligned, essentially, for Josh Jacobs. Everything kind of worked out. There's a lot of injuries, so he was able to get more targets and receptions in the passing game. So, no, if I'm, you know, if I'm betting on Josh Jacobs to be under that touch amount, I'm definitely going to be taking the under. So you even noted that you know it's almost a kiss of death for running backs to, to have a great year like he did because most likely it's not going to happen again. Only two running backs have finished as RB1s following the year after leading the NFL in touches since 2013. Why is that? Why is it so hard for them to repeat that? Well, I think part of it has to do with injury. Um, just when guys touch the ball more times, you take more hits and – your body accumulates hits, and, and that's what causes you to miss games. Um, you see the guys that are able to repeat the feet, you know, the Derrick Henrys of the world, you know, those players are built differently than Josh Jacobs. You know, Derrick Henry weighs 245 pounds, over six feet tall. Um, you know, his body can withstand hits a little bit different than a player like Josh Jacobs, who's a little bit smaller. And it just goes back to the fact that it's just hard to repeat a career year. A lot of those running backs that I kind of mentioned in this specific tweet talking about the guys who led the NFL in touches, like that was their first year like seeing that type of massive workload. And the guys that were able to actually repeat, you know, the two guys that finished as RB1s, which were Ezekiel Elliott and LaShawn McCoy, those guys had already shown that they could handle a really, really heavy workload on the 350-plus touch side of things. So for me, it's when the planets align, it's usually just a good reason to fade a Running back, you know, when running backs are at their peak, that is really the ultimate time to sell as mean as, as that sounds, but that's just kind of what the data lays out. Yeah, it is, and it's kind of what the, the market is right now for running backs. Again, we're talking with Andrew Erickson here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness, and I say market because Josh Jacobs is in the middle of a contract negotiation. He's holding the franchise tag. He hasn't signed it. He wants the long-term deal, but with everything that you just said and all the data that's out there, how unlikely is it for a team, any team, not just the Raiders, but any team to commit long-term to a running back like that? Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not good. Um, and a lot of the running backs have come out and spoke on, on the subject about how they're not being treated fairly, and, and they're right. I mean, running back is the worst position playing football because you take the most abuse and you get the least amount of payment in return for it. So it puts the players in a really bad position, and I obviously want to side with the players when I can, but unfortunately just it's not a good market to be a running back in. And in the case of Josh Jacobs, it's kind of like a lose-lose when it comes to 
know, people that want to draft him in fantasy because let's say he does hold out. Let's say he does follow this Le'Veon Bell, you know, trajectory where he doesn't play. Like, Le'Veon Bell is one of those guys on the list. He led the NFL in touches, did not play the entire next season. And then we saw his career obviously flame out as a New York Jet. So could Josh Jacobs be following in those same footsteps? Like, that's a concern. And then the other concern is, okay, let's say they do sign him to a long-term deal, whatever they do. Now they have the incentive to not use him as much as they did the past year. Right. So last year he was on the expired contract. So Josh McDaniels was like, I can run this guy into the ground. And that's why you really want, and for running backs, you want to target running backs that are actually entering their final year of their contract. Those are the years that they have the big touch loads, like Josh, Josh Jacobs did last year. So those are the players you want to be targeting, not guys that just sign new deals where the teams are like, hey, like, we have this guy locked up for a couple of years. Like, we don't want to run him in the ground. Right. We want to make sure that he's healthy throughout the extension of the contract. Do you think that if they do get a, a deal done and they have till July 17th to get that long-term deal done, it'll really be more of a front-loaded like one- or two-year deal as opposed to like a four-year deal, which I'm sure is what Josh Jacobs rather have? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, definitely way more front-loaded stuff where you have potential outs in the contract, injury clauses. Like, I mean, a lot of the running back contracts are monopoly money. You can get out of them very easily. I mean, last year we saw, you know, the free agency, the, base, the best contract was, I think it was for Chase Edmonds. And what happened to him? He didn't even finish his, his contract on the same, on the same team. Right. Like he got traded to the Denver Broncos after flaming out with Miami. So, yeah, running back contracts, a lot of it's, you know, monopoly money and very front-loaded. So I don't know how long Josh Higgins is going to be a Las Vegas Raider. It's really interesting. I mean, and of course, he's a fan favorite. Uh, obviously, we all saw what he was able to do in 2022. But again, it's just the running back market and the way that teams use them. And I always go back to DeMarco Murray when he was with the Cowboys that last year, and they ran him into the ground and then said, okay, go get your free agency money somewhere else. And he got paid by Philly, but he was never the same, Andrew. Yep, yeah, and another guy that was on that list that I had uh, set out on Twitter earlier today, you know, DeMarco Murray, I think, yeah, he went from leading the NFL in touches to his first year. I believe it was the, he was either with the Eagles or the Titans. I'm not sure which team it was, um, but he finished as a RB17. Right. You know, so outside the top 15 fantasy running backs after he led the NFL in touches. So uh, whether it's because of injury the next season, whether it's because they're not as good, they don't get as many looks, it's just it's not good company to be in. And it's just a, a signal and a warning sign for like, hey, you don't want to be chasing the running back that had that career year, especially when it sticks out like such an outlier versus some of these other players. Like I, like I mentioned, Derrick Henry, like he's yeah. just built differently. So when he has 300 touches, I'm not really concerned about him not being able to hold up the next year or the year after that because he does it every year. Whereas Josh Jacobs, you just look at his game box, look at his career logs. It's okay, pretty good, pretty good. Oh my God, what happened this year? And then you know, no one will be surprised to see if it tails off here in 2023. And then on top of that, the fact that the Raiders went and drafted two running backs last year, thinking that they were going to do running back by committee, and Jacobs just never came off the field. So I'm expecting, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm expecting to see Zamir White entered into the, the mix for the Raiders in 2023, regardless, whatever happens with the contract situation, just because they drafted him last year in the fourth round. Yep, yeah, Zamir White makes a lot of sense. guy from Georgia who, obviously, coming from a back system that used a lot of running backs, so... You know, he doesn't come into the NFL with a lot of wear and tear on his body. And, you know, he took some time to get acclimated. Traditionally, you know, as someone that follows the Patriots very closely, I've seen Josh McDaniels with rookie running backs. doesn't use him. He really does not ever use rookie running backs. So it's not surprising that they went away from those guys in their first year and that are expended to potentially take on 
larger roles entering year two. And I also wouldn't take the Raiders out of the conversation with some of these free agent running backs. Dalvin Cook, you have a connection there with the Raiders, a new running back coach, uh, Palomalu, who spent obviously time with, in Minnesota with Dalvin Cook, who's still a free agent. Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette has a connection with Tom Brady, who we know has now taken on an ownership uh, position with the Las Vegas Raiders. Tom Brady was Leonard Fournette's biggest fan right. in Tampa Bay. Like, he single-handedly got him the job and helped him kind of take on that playoff Lenny type of embodiment during their playoff run for the Buccaneers. So don't if this holdout ends up happening, it would not surprise you at all if they bring in Dalvin Cook, bring in Leonard Fournette, or sign a different free agent running back. Again, we're talking with Andrew Erickson here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So Dalvin Cook kind of piqued my interest. I know he was a heck of a running back in Minnesota. They just recently let him go. What do you think a contract, a realistic contract, would look like for Cook? I mean, it's weird because he's apparently he wants a lot of money. He wants right. a lot of guaranteed money for his production. But the way the running back market works is, no, like we don't pay you for what you did before. Like we're paying to you for what your deal was now. So I would say, I mean, he's probably going to try to get somewhere in the $9 million, $10 million a year range, maybe like a two-year deal somewhere. I mean, he's still on the better side of the, the 30 curve. Um, but, you know, he fell off a lot last year. His production was not great. And this guy's always hurt. Like, when you have Dalvin Cook as your starting running back, as a head coach, as a GM, you're penciling in, okay, this guy's going to miss at least three games because he's had this nagging shoulder injury. He's, missed, he's had lower body injuries before. So you have to know that, hey, even if we have Dalvin Cook, like, he's not going to be healthy throughout the entire year. So either we need to take that into consideration before we sign him or we have to make sure that he's not getting 20 touches per game. He's getting more 10 to 15 touches, and we're getting him – we're using him as a complementary piece with other members of our backfield. Andrew Erickson is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions for you. I did want to ask about Bijan Robinson. He went number eight overall to the Falcons. I have him penciled in as Offensive Rookie of the Year. I just think he's that stinking good runner, receiver. What are your expectations for him this rookie year, and can he be the outlier to the running back situation where he could be a guy later on that gets paid similar to like a Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, I mean, this is it's weird how the running back market has flipped where it's, you don't want to pay veteran running backs, but the argument then becomes, okay, well, how much do you invest them in the draft? Because this is when they're the most valuable, you'd argue, because you don't have to pay them a lot of money. Like, B. John Robinson has a four-year contract that's very, very cheap. Like, he's not going to cost you a lot of money on your cap hit, even as a top-10 overall pick, you know, relative to other running backs on the market. And what do we see? Running backs hit the ground running when they first enter the league. This is when he's most valuable, and it's also when he costs the least amount. So if you are going to build your team around a running back or around a running game, like the Atlanta Falcons have kind of shown us they want to do, then B. John Robinson really is the perfect fit, and it's why the pick, at least when it happened, yes, I don't like the idea of taking top 10 running backs, but if you were going to do it, this was the guy to do it, and this was the team that you know, should have made the move. Do you think that the running back in his style is what is going to have to be needed, though, to have, you know, like I said, to have the, the longevity at that position? Like, you have to be dynamic runner, and you also have to be a dynamic receiver. Yeah, agreed. you got to come in with some receiving skills because if not, you're just so much easier to replace. Right. You know, how are you adding value? Just like in any job, you know, yeah. what can you add value to in the position that you hold? And it goes back to one of the situations with Le'Veon Bell. You know, I always wondered why – Le'Veon Bell never tried to switch to receiver. You know, in his glory days with the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, he was often looked at as the number two receiver alongside Antonio Brown. 
Like, it was the killer bees between Brown, Ben Roethlisberger, and Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was catching 80, 90 balls a year. And he was not just catching dump-offs. He was running routes out of the slot. So running backs that can show that, hey, I can line out wide, I could run actual routes, like, they will not only give more value and get more money as they continue their NFL careers, but they'll also last longer because they're not just running the ball up between the tackles and getting pounded by these 300-pound defensive linemen for taking hits and even sometimes getting out of bounds to help you know, keep their body upright. Again, we're talking with Andrew Erickson here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And I say roughness. We'll close out with this. We started with Josh Jacobs. We'll end with Josh Jacobs. He's got the franchise tag. It's about $10 million uh, worth that. Do you think that he uh, runs it runs on a one-year deal? Do you think that he, you know, maybe sits out? Or do you think that by July 17th he gets that uh, long-term deal from the Raiders? Uh, I think that he's probably going to sit out. Wow. I mean, he has talked about not wanting to – kind of being that voice of the people for the running back position. And Josh Jacobs, as someone that's, you know, been following him for a while, especially in terms of fantasy football circles, he doesn't care about your fantasy team. Right. Like, he famously told, like, I don't remember exactly what game it was for, but he said, like, either start me or don't start me. And he ended up not playing or he did play. And he just kind of, like, put fantasy managers in a bad position. So, again, I hope the best for the kid, of course. I want him to get his money. But at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do. And I think that he wants to send a, a statement to everybody and be like, I, I want running backs to get more – get paid more and be valued more so it would not surprise me at all if he does end up holding out that's going to be interesting it really will like I'm a firm believer that you know if he sits out that would be all bad just like we saw what happened with Le'Veon Bell when he sat out and then went to the Jets and you saw his career was just never the same but I mean if he's doing it for a reason and I know that Josh Jacobs is a guy that he's a he's a very smart dude right I mean he's he's going to do things what he believes and he's going to stick by what he believes so it could come down to that I hope it doesn't I want to see him on the field but of course I want him to also be able to get his money well Andrew this has been fantastic stuff fantasypros.com what do you guys got coming out that I should be on the lookout for yeah, we got our draft kit that has been already released, but as the as we creep closer and closer to the season, to training camp, just new articles, new premium articles coming out. I know I'm releasing my bust article. It's going to be coming out on the website soon, so Josh Jacobs will be featured in there, nice. as it's currently stated, but there'll be more about running backs, receivers, tight ends, and quarterbacks to avoid in your upcoming drafts this year. Andrew Erickson, at Andrew Erickson underscore on Twitter, and with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Andrew, thanks so much for your time, man. Fantastic stuff. Have a great 4th of July. Awesome. Thanks, man. You too. There he goes, Andrew Erickson. Great job again, fantasypros.com, at Andrew Erickson underscore on Twitter, and with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Some pretty interesting stuff. I don't think I've heard anyone say that they think that Josh Jacobs could potentially hold out. I just I don't see that happening, but I like to ask the questions of others just so they can, you know, get their opinion in and just kind of gauge what people around the industry kind of think was going to happen with the Raiders running back. Again, 14 days from today to get a long-term deal done. If not, then he has to play on the one-year deal if he, in fact, plays in 2023. Uh, how about we hook up something right now? How about we give away some prizes? Caller number nine is what I'm looking for. 702-365-9200. We're going to give away two tickets right now to the David Perico Pop Symphonic featuring the Raiderettes. And you're probably thinking, huh? What? What is that? David is the house band that plays for the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium every home game. You, you see him up there. They do a fantastic job, and the Raiderettes are going to be performing with them as well. That's Friday, July 14th. It's going to be at the Smith Center. You can get tickets right now at smithcenter.com, or you can get a pair of tickets right now, quick, fast, and hurry, just by calling and being caller number 9 at 702-365-9200. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q.
Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. My man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Shout out to Finley Cadillac, by the way. Shout out to my man E-Man. Shout out to Sonia, Jeff, all the fine folks over at Finley Cadillac. Anytime you need anything from Finley Cadillac, they'll definitely take good care of you. They take good care of me each and every time. I go and visit the dealership. Definitely appreciate them in a major, major way. They got some beautiful vehicles on the lot right now. Beautiful. They had a really nice 2023 Escalade on the lot. They don't anymore. They have a previously owned 2020 Escalade on the lot now. (laughs) Just throw that out there and just leave it at that. But shout out to Finley Cadillac. Definitely appreciate them and all their efforts. Appreciate my man Terrence was the winner of two tickets to go to the David Perico Pop Symphonic featuring the Raiderettes. And David, if you don't know who he is, is the house band for the Raiders. Uh, They play at Allegiant Stadium every home game right there on Coors Light Landing. They do a fantastic job. They put on a hell of a show. Uh, They're going to be at the Smith Center on July 14th. You can get your tickets at smithcenter.com. We have more winning on the way before the show is over. We're going to get someone qualified to win tickets As a matter of fact, we're going to get someone qualified to win four tickets to an Aviators game, which will get them one step closer to winning what we're saying, take the trip or take the cash. Lotus Summer of Fun this week as the Morning Tailgate announced four nights in New York City, a Broadway show, and a G. $1,000 spending money. Or you can simply take the cash, $3,000. Take the trip, take the cash. We're going to get someone in to win those four tickets to the Aviators game, which will get them one step closer to having an opportunity to win the four nights in New York City and a Broadway show, plus $1,000 spending money to go along with it. That's all coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, as well as we'll talk to Chad Dewing from uh, Rip City Radio. Uh, he's a really good friend of the show. I haven't talked to him since I've been in Las Vegas, but used to talk to him all the time when I was in Central Texas. Of course, he covers the Portland Trailblazers like a glove, and he'll talk all things Dame Lillard as he requested a trade as of Saturday. And so the NBA offseason is pretty much unmatched. I mean, it's one of those fantastic time of years. So uh, there's always a lot of moving and shaking going on. So Dame Lillard, he wants to end up in Miami. Will he end up in Miami? We'll find out when we talk to Chad Dewing coming up at 4 o'clock here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Earlier in the show, I asked about Almond Roca candy. And I don't know if you remember that conversation we were having, Ari, but I swore up and down everyone knows about Almond Roca candy. And apparently... I'm being overruled. Freddie Coleman on ESPN, he basically told me he had never heard of him. You told me today you had never heard of him. We got a text on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187 keyword R&R from our guy Jason, a.k.a. Twilight. It's my dude. Q, I'm sorry, but until I met you, I've never seen nor heard of Almond Rocas. Ha ha. I don't know how to spell it. But one thing I can enjoy until super stuffed is Korean barbecue. So there you go. Jason in Vegas, uh, in light of the hot dog eating contest coming up tomorrow, as I believe Joey Chestnut will win that thing. Uh, the over-under is 73 and a half hot dogs, which is ridiculous. He says that he can eat Korean barbecue until he's fat full. And I throw that out there to you, Raider Nation, as well. Is there a food out there that once you get your hands on it, you could just eat it and eat it and eat it and eat it some more? Back in the day for me, it was shrimp and from Sizzler. And also, uh, again, a guy that doesn't eat a lot of candy. But if I get my hand on some almond rocas, it is a wrap. I love those. And apparently nobody knows what the hell they are except for me, which I find hard to believe <laughs> because they're really good candies. And maybe, I don't know, maybe I was just fancy because I worked at the grocery store and I had a leg up on everybody and had an opportunity to eat them all the time because I did. Shout out to my guy, Richard Agostino. He's the one who introduced me to him. And, man, I've been hooked ever since to the point where my man, Vegas Jess, and his wife, Michelle, actually gave that to me for a gift. 
And, man, they – matter of fact, not only did they give me, like, the almond roca, but they gave me, like, a plethora of them where it was about three different styles of almond roca, including, like, dark chocolate. And that one it took me a little bit longer to eat because I like to have something crunchy as well to go with it. But, man, I'll tell you right now, if you get your hand on an almond roca piece of candy, you could definitely not go wrong. So I definitely encourage you to go check that out. 3.55 is the time when we come back. We kick off hour number three of the show. Chad doing Rip City. Rip City Radio will join us. Sweden Nation Radio, 920.